All right, so let's let's get into this. Um, the cool thing is, we're gonna cover three chapters tonight. <laughs> I'm serious. We're gonna cover three chapters tonight, and uh, it's gonna be great. Thirty thirty minute sermon, three chapters. You guys ready? Ten minutes a chapter. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> no, this is uh. So as as I've said uh, a couple weeks now, um, we're gonna talk about Noah's Ark tonight, and uh, not in the way that it's normally preached. It's like a Sunday school story where hey, Noah built an ark because he was faithful to God, and then ta-da, and that's it. There's a lot more to the story, all right. Um, and I want to kind of connect some serious dots. And uh, hold on. Hey, you're included. Just look at the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Real time. All right. So we're gonna talk about Noah's Ark and all the symbolism partnered with Noah's Ark. And Jesus in Noah's Ark. Cool? Uh, we're still in this Jesus series of how Jesus is in every single book of the Bible, every single story of the Bible, and every single moment of our lives. Yes? You guys with me? Yeah? Okay. I, I'm going to need your guys' engagement tonight because I'm doing a lot of summarization, obviously. Okay? I'm not reading three chapters. This is not story time. Um, I have not brought you here tonight to give story time and then nap time after that, okay? Um, it is for, I need you guys attentive and focused on what the Lord has for us tonight, cool? Because mm-hmm. um, I only have two pages of notes, which is going to be good. Cool? Yeah. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Why don't you guys turn to Genesis chapter 6, okay? I'm going to be reading here and there, um, to and fro. I'm not going to obviously, again, read all three chapters. That could be on your own time. I'm going to be ESV tonight, for all it's worth. Six. Six. Is this bright enough? Do you guys see? Uh, Everybody's on... Everybody's on mobile device Bible. Can't see? I don't know if I can. Is that okay? Is that better? Now we can see. Yeah, I hate this light. I don't know. Maybe we need to figure something out for back here. Mm. Nope. <laughs> so, <laughs> Genesis chapter 6. <laughs> Good idea, Blake. <laughs> Not your best. <laughs> so, um, we're going to start in verse 5, alright? But first, Holy Spirit, illuminate your word to us tonight so that we can understand the depths of you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of of the thoughts of his heart 
was only evil continually. That's the man's heart, yes? Lowercase h, cool. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. So, um, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So, um, God's a little upset. Yeah? I can't even imagine how he feels today. Yeah, he felt regret. Like, oh my, what did I just do? Yeah. And I was like, I should have never gave him a choice, you know? <laughs> if I was God, I would be like that. I should have never gave him free will. That was so stupid of me, you know? <laughs> right? So he felt regret. And he wanted to wipe out everything. Even the animals. Even the animals? Like, come on. Like a giraffe? What could a giraffe do to sin? I never got that. It's crazy. He was so disgusted with everything, he wanted to start over. Isn't that amazing? I can't even imagine how he feels today. Especially the crap that's going on in New York. I'm not going to get into it, but I can't even believe it. It makes me want to vomit. I can't even believe. I can't even understand how the Lord feels about that. But, I promised myself I would never be political here. And I still hold that promise. So, the Lord is pissed off at his creation um, and what his creation has become. Yes? Okay? And what we have to remember in this, um, this is a couple hundred years into creation. You know? Um, we'll learn that Noah is about 600 years old. <laughs> I know. I don't understand it either. I really don't. Can you imagine that? Build a boat at 600? Yeah. I don't think I could build a boat now. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, um, this is Genesis 6. This is Genesis chapter 6. And he's already ready to wipe out all of his creation. Uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking, you know? Like, it's Genesis 2019 now. You know? I think it's exactly what I just said. Of like, I I should have never given these people free will. Well, if you, well, if you give us, give us free will, then we'd be robots. Yeah. I know. It's interesting, you know. He's upset. He's very upset, obviously, you know. Um, and it's a weird story. I'll admit it. It's a definitely a weird story. It's a it's one of the first time I believe it is the first time in Scripture that the Lord is very upset. You know, and wiped out a group of people. You know, you can see in all the Old Testament, he wiped out some people, you know, because um, he wasn't happy with what they were doing. Um, and frankly, I still believe that he's doing that today. Um, just not as mass, you know. Um, just like, I hate, I mean, I, I was thinking through David and Goliath. Like, the beef with Goliath was the way he was talking about God, right? I mean, he doesn't like that. And might not even be talk here in this story. It could just be the way they're living. 
I believe that that's true if we, if we read a little bit further back in Genesis 5 and 6. It's just the way that they were living was just like, oh my gosh, what the heck, you know? So, I know, it's a crazy story. Um, but the cool thing is, the cool thing in this is that last sentence, that last verse. And the Lord um, found favor in Noah. Oh, isn't that cool? Wouldn't it be cool? Yeah, same thing. Same thing, bro. The Lord likes Noah. The Lord likes Noah. Okay, Noah found the, the, the Lord found favor in the Lord's eyes. That's amazing. What if the Lord like? What if the Lord looked at me? Oh man, that would be so cool. Like He found favor in me. Do you know what that means? What does favor mean? How do you guys kind of interpret that? What does that mean to you? Yeah, liked him. He was good. He's the only guy that got to live, so he must have been doing something right. Right? I think this is amazing. And if we read verse 9, which we're about to, it's the coolest thing. And it's like the best compliment anybody could hear from the Lord is that they found, um, that the Lord found favor in the eyes of, oh, sorry, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then verse 9 says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Right? Like, man, I want to be that. You know, I want to be that so bad. I want to be righteous enough that the Lord looks down and says, man, that guy's got it. You know? He's willing to wipe out everything else, but man, Noah cool to be if it was you (laughs) you know like the ultimate compliment agreed righteous and blameless Noah walked with God to gain favor in the eyes of the Lord means to live righteous blameless lives and walk with God and blameless doesn't mean sinless you guys know that sometimes we interpret it in like Romans that it means completely sinless no it does not mean that it actually means that he wholeheartedly loved and obeyed God. Right? Uh, who in here is perfect? Right? So it would be impossible to be blameless before the Lord, especially now. This is pre-Jesus. Right? Do we understand this tonight? This is pre-Jesus. Technically, kind of. You get what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> okay? So to live blameless means to just... Love the Lord. Seek Him with everything that you've got and listen to Him and walk with Him. That's amazing. And it's cool that Noah had this capacity before Holy Spirit indwelling. You know, I've always kind of resented guys like this in the Old Testament. Like, you know, like Moses, they hear from the Lord audibly. And Noah heard from the Lord audibly, like in this story. We'll talk about more. And Jeremiah, this is pre- Pentecost. This is pre-Holy Ghost indwelling. And they're hearing from the Lord. How much more should we have today? Yeah. How much more should we have today? It'll, it keeps me up at night. First point um, that I have tonight is we are surrounded by unrighteousness, 
but that doesn't give us the excuse to not be righteous. We understand this tonight. Just because we're surrounded by evil and, and nasty and all of this crap does not mean that we have to cave. Does not mean that we have to bend and shift to be accepted. Frankly, um, as you guys might have noticed if you hung around me enough, I really don't care what you guys think of me. I don't care about what really other people think of me. I don't. I care what the Lord thinks of me. And you should too. Cool? Does that make sense? If we're truly seeking the Lord with all that we have and His righteousness and the kingdom of heaven, I don't, I mean, I don't really care about what you guys have to say about me. You know? Or what anybody outside of these walls has to say about me because all I care about is what the Lord says about me. Does that make sense? Right? Noah was surrounded by all sorts of crap. All sorts of evil. But he still said, I'm going to dig my heels in and I'm going to say yes to the Lord every single time. You guys realize that you have the same opportunities today. You have the same exact opportunity to do that today. And guess what? I'm sure the Lord's going to find favor in that. You guys understand that tonight? If you dig your heels in for what is truth, I guarantee the Lord is going to point at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? I think it's amazing. So we're surrounded by unrighteousness, but that doesn't give us an excuse not to live in righteousness. Okay? You guys know what righteousness means? Go ahead. What do you think? You don't know? Kind of. Good. Okay. What else? Fair. Fair. Okay. Anybody want to look it up on their phone? It's the dictionary definition. What's righteousness? Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. No, it doesn't. Morally right or justifiable? Justifiable. What's that mean? That means it's not necessarily right or wrong, for good or bad, but you can make an argument for it. It's standing on truth no matter what. That's righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Sorry, uh, like random, you can like on Google, you can do like show more. And it says noose over time for righteousness. And it was like a ton in the 1800s. And it like drops down, but now it's going back up. I don't know what that means. Cool. So does that make sense? Being righteous before the king. Cool. All right. Um, And then the story kind of continues. And the Lord says to Noah, hey, I'm going to wipe out mankind. This is me summarizing, okay? He says, I'm done with this. I've had it with these snakes on this plane. Yes? (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) Gosh. You guys haven't seen that movie? Snakes on a plane? (laughs) Samuel L. Jackson? Come on! Snakes on a plane. 
That's not your version of hell. I don't know what should be. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Noah says, hey, I'm going to wipe out mankind and tells Noah what? To build an ark. <laughs> We'll see. We'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Um, and then he, he, the Lord tells Noah to build an ark, build a boat. Gave him precise measurements on on what and how to build it. Told him what who to who to put in the boat, what animals to bring, and told him to bring food. Okay. I just really summarized all of chapter six in uh, five bullet points. Pretty repetitive. Um, it even said dimensions. Yeah. Oh my God. If you, it's there's dimensions. Yeah. Eleven, verse eleven through. Yeah, eleven through fifteen. Fourteen. Fourteen through fifteen. It gives the exact measurements. So it's wild, right? And guess what Noah did. He built that ark. He built. I don't know. It doesn't say. That was easy. Oh my god. Huh? <laughs> yes. Wife, sons, and sons' wives, and yeah, and animals. Okay. So. Huh? Wife, sons, and sons' wives. Yep. So just his kind of, like, legacy, if you will. Okay? So Noah built this boat. What we have to understand is uh, Noah lived in a place where it didn't rain very much. You guys know where Noah lived? Uh, according to my research, okay? Arizona. <laughs> According to my research, I, I, I can't put my like full uh, 100% faith in what I'm about to say, but based on a little bit of research that I did, um, it's modern-day Iraq where he built this ark. <laughs> modern-day Iraq. Yeah. Can you imagine this? Uh, not much rain there, yeah? Yeah. It's wild. And imagine this. Imagine... Oh, man, I really want to jump. Imagine this guy building an ark in the middle of a desert. Can you imagine the people that were around him? What they were saying about him? You know? Here's another point for you. No matter what the Lord says, run with it. Everybody else is going to tell, is tell you that you're a fool. Yes? Maybe besides the people in this room. <laughs> I hope. Make it so, Lord. Um, even the people... Uh, imagine this. Like, seriously. This guy is in the middle of Iraq, in the middle of a desert, and the Lord says, I'm, I want you to build a boat. And he says, yes. No one didn't ask any questions. He didn't ask one question. Isn't that amazing? 
If the Lord were to ask me to do that, if the Lord were to say, hey, Lex, I need you to build a surfboard because some epic waves are about to happen in Colorado. Right? I know, terrible example. It's the first thing that popped in my head. Whatever. Right? If he said that, I would be like, are, are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want? Uh, did I hear you right, Lord? Mark, how do you know how to build a boat? That's a whole other topic that we can talk about. The Lord equips the called. Yes, every single time He equips the called, not the other way around. He doesn't call the equipped. Cool? Again, you're in good company. Come on. Yes? Like, ah, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. Um, so, He said yes, immediately. And he built this boat in the middle of the desert and imagine what everybody was saying about him. Imagine the Facebook threads about him. Imagine what Instagram and Twitter were saying about him, right? Imagine the backlash. Imagine the vandalism that might have even happened. You know, like, all oh, this idiot's building a boat? Let's go mess with this, you know? I, it's not in Scripture, but, you know, in today's terms, I'm sure that would happen, you know? Like, let's go beat the crap out of this guy. He's such an idiot, yes? We've all heard that. But what did Noah do? He followed the exact thing that the Lord spoke and did it exactly to his, his blueprints, exactly the way he said it, and exactly in the timeline that he needed it done. Right? I always like to think of what-ifs in Scripture. Like, what if Noah said, well, I think I heard him wrong. You know? Like, ah, I, I live in Iraq. I, I, I just don't think so think that was my own imagination that was my own thoughts you know just wanting to be anointed right maybe you've heard this heard yourself tell you yourself this yes like oh that's no, yeah right yeah right that when, that that happened to me when the lord gave me a voice so i could sing you know i was like you sure bro i'd rather preach you know <laughs> you know and then he gave me that later you know so it, it's an interesting thing if we just stay on the on the word of the Lord, everything lines up. Okay, um, good thing he did it. it w- I mean, we wouldn't be here today, right? And you'll understand why as we keep on going. So the story story goes on. Um, Noah builds this ark and gathers all of the animals, and then the Lord gives him a seven day warning. Yes. Gives them a seven-day warning saying, hey, this flood's about to hit in seven days. All right, you ready? Cool. And then, uh, flood's about to hit. Noah finalizes everything down, and uh, even down to a window in the side of an ark that the Lord commanded. And I think this is a beautiful portion of this story, which we'll talk about in a second, okay? And um, then it says, the heavens opened, and it poured for 40 days and 40 nights. Forty days and forty nights of straight freaking rain. Not rain that we've ever experienced. A lot of rain. A lot of water. In Iraq. And the entire world. So even Arizona. (laughs) You know? I mean, even like the hottest, hottest, hottest place. The driest place. It says the entire world was flooded. This is amazing. Even to the point, and, and this is in Scripture, the waters were about 23, 23 feet over the mountains. 
a lot of water. 23 feet over the mountains. So like a 14er. <laughs> the were, were they? Yeah. Interesting. A 16er. Okay. <laughs> 16er. It was 16,023 feet of water. That's a lot of water. I can't even picture that much. I can barely picture 23 feet of water. You know? Like, what does that look like? Yes. So it keeps saying uh, all the creatures that moved along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. What about fish? Fish. Were they just like, this is awesome. I'm <laughs> sure that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, much so all fish are holy? Because he takes seven pairs of clean animals and then only one pair of unclean animals. I don't know. I didn't even like, think of fish. I don't know. Maybe it has some correlation. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to jump there. If he can fit freaking tigers and Lord knows what else on that boat, he could find a way to put fish on the boat. No clue. So he wiped uh, he wiped out all mankind and everything that wasn't in the ark was dead. Okay? Um, and then the ark settled on the mountains of Arat. I don't know how to say it. Sorry. Arat or something like that. It's like Iran and Turkey. It's their mountain range through there. I looked it up. Uh, <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Okay. I got a whiteboard if you want to draw some maps. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's where the ark settled. That's right right where it was. Okay. And uh now I just want to read a little bit, okay? Uh Genesis eight, six through twelve, okay? It's it reads at the end of the 40 days, Noah opened up a window. I think this is just amazing. Okay, this is uh, looping back to the window that I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, Genesis 8, verse 6. Okay. So at the end of the 40 days, Noah opened up a window of the ark that he had made, and he set forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then Noah sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subdued from the from the face of the ground but the dove found no place to set her foot and she returned to him uh returned to him to the ark for waters were still on the face of the entire earth so he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him verse 10 he waited another 7 days and again he sent a dove out of the ark and the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subdued from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth a dove, and she did not return to him anymore. I think this is an amazing like little chunk of scripture here, because everything down to the detail, the Lord thought of all the details here. Like, no, you're going to need a window so you can send a bird out, so then when that's when you know that you can take... Um, take step on the on the earth again, like, come on, and it's a dove. It's a dove. It's a dove. If we know anything about scripture, a dove should immediately jump out to you. Okay, we'll talk about it in a second. I think this is beautiful. So, um, came back, and then then it didn't come back anymore. Why? Because it found somewhere to land. It found a place to put its feet down. It found 
sanctuary. Does that make sense? Didn't need the ark anymore to stay alive, right? It, it, yeah, you get it. Then the Lord spoke and said to get out of the ark and spread all over the earth. Okay? Pretty cool, yes? Last thing I want to read is Genesis 8, verse 20. And this is going to be a little bit of a marathon here, but bear with me, okay? Uh, Genesis 8:20. We're going to go to 9:17. Um, here it is. So after all that happened, they took they took steps on the earth, and then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled that pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart. I will never curse again. I will never curse again the the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Okay, chapter 9, verse 1. Ready? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish in the sea. Into the hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you as I gave you the green plants. I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life that is its blood okay so don't be a cannibal verse 5 for you your lifeblood will require a reckoning from every beast i will require it and from man from his fellow man i will require a reckoning for the life of man verse 6 whoever sheds the blood of man by blood by man shall his blood be shed for god made man in his own image okay Verse 7, we're almost there. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you, your offspring after you. And and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, for it is every beast of the earth. 11. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of a covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for the future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the, ba- and the bow is, is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. All flesh, sorry. Verse 16. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every, every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Verse 17. God said to Noah, this is a sign of a covenant that I have established between me and all flesh 
that is on the earth. Okay, I know that was a lot, but here's a couple things. Built an altar as a sacrifice, as a worship offering. Yes, if you've heard um, me say it before, Lord, may this be a sweet incense to you. Yes, you've heard this before? Okay, this is what I'm talking about. May this be an offering to you, Lord. I'm usually talking in regards to worship. Would this be an offering to you, Lord? May it bring a smile upon your heart, if you will. Yes? Okay? So he built an altar, immediately sacrificed, gave offering, gave worship to the Lord. Okay? Why? Because he kept him. Yes? Not only did the Lord have favor on Noah, but Noah had favor on the Lord. Do we see this? He said, thank you. That's what this means. Thank you. I adore you. Yes? Okay? Then, then, then he talks about this rainbow. Right? I don't know why it says bow, but it's a rainbow. Okay? I don't know. It says bow in the Bible? Mine says rainbow. It says? Mine says bow. Mine says bow. ESV says bow. I don't know why. But, it's a rainbow. Okay? There's a lot of symbolism in this. Okay? So let's talk through some of this. Um, I don't want to breeze through it too quick, uh, but I do want to honor your guys' time. Um, so, uh, a couple questions. What does the flood represent? What does the ark represent? What do all the animals represent? What does Noah represent? And what does the uh, rainbow represent? Okay, just a couple things. That's all. Cool? And, oh, sorry. I, this didn't update. What does the flood represent? Let's answer that question first. What do you guys think the flood represents? I'm going to connect some dots, okay? God's anger. God's, God's, anger, God's wrath. Yeah. Let's use the word wrath, okay? Yeah. Um, because um, if our God is just, there has to be justice, right? right? He is the ultimate judge. Do we get this? So the Lord has full authority to do whatever he wants, right? Especially if we're sinful. He has all authority to say, hey, not today. Yes? Right? So, what did he do here? He, he sent a flood. He sent a punishment. He sent a destination, if you will. A destination to people who are all unrighteous. Do we, understand, do we see what's happening here? The Lord said, I am displeased with this. Therefore, I'm going to wipe this out and I'm going to separate it from me. This is a glimpse of heaven and hell. Why was Noah selected? Because he was righteous. If we read through the, uh, through the New Testament, ex exclusively Romans, it talks about how we should seek righteousness above all else. Yes? Noah is a perfect example. If we seek righteousness, we're going to live. We understand this? We're not going to just live, I mean, cool, we get to live on earth, but we get to live, live. Yes? We get to live in heaven. We get to inherit heaven. Why? Because righteousness is bred through Jesus. Righteousness is bred through God. Therefore, if we're with him and we are righteous, then boom, we get to inherit his righteousness. Make sense? And if we are against that, it's not going to look pretty. So the flood is wrath. Does that make sense? Yeah. He did. This is the Old Testament, so usually in Kings, the God is more 
His wrath they was, were, yeah. Because he's he sought he sought the Lord wholeheartedly, and listened to him. Right, it's that whole concept of of what we talked about earlier, being righteous and blameless before the Lord. Right, and doing what He says. You know, we have that capacity today. You guys understand that, and even more so than Noah could have ever. Right, because of Jesus. Cool. Okay. Does that make sense? What the flood is. All right. Perfect. Now, what does the ark represent? Jesus? Okay, cool. Yeah? It always works in church. We can always say Jesus. Usually right. Um, does it represent... Is it like symbolic for somebody's faith in God? Yeah. What else? It represents a lot of things. There's not just like one answer. I think Jesus, yeah, encapsulates everything. But the ark is protection from what? Yeah. Do we, do we, we have to, if we fully want to understand this story, we have to fully understand what being saved actually means that we're saved from. Do you guys know that we're not saved from ourselves? You know we're not saved from sin? We're not saved from the enemy? But we're actually saved from the Lord's wrath? Do we understand this tonight? Because if we are just saved from ourselves, then nothing like yippee. I can't get myself to heaven. But I'm actually saved from the wrath of God. Because He's the judge. I have to stand before Him on judgment and say, and say, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, really shouldn't have done that. This is awkward. Right? Well, I have to stand before Him because He is the judge. So this ark is protection. This ark is provision. This ark is a promise. This ark is Jesus. When we are in Jesus, <laughs> literally, when we are in Jesus, when we are intertwined with Jesus, we're saved and fully blameless. It's like that. It's like that story of uh, like this uh, um, metaphor of this guy who is standing before a judge and his lawyer says, no, I'll take the fall for this guy. Right? It's that whole concept of that's what Jesus did for us. He's standing in front of a judge and says, well, I'll just take the punishment for him. Right? That's what Jesus is doing. That's what the ark represents, is Jesus, is protection. Right? I think of the, of the story when Jesus was taking a nap on the boat. Right? We know this one where the storm is swirling around and Jesus is taking a nap on a boat and the disciples come to him and say, Oh my gosh, we're dying! Yes? No? Okay. It's, uh, it's in the Gospels. and they're, like, uh, they're traveling from point A to point B and Jesus is just taking a snooze. you know. And there's just this terrible freaking storm swirling around them and the disciples are freaking out. Right? I think what we have to understand is that the symbolism in that story is the same symbolism in this story. Right? Where Jesus calmed that storm. In this story, Noah's story, Jesus protected from the storm. I think it's beautiful. Do we understand this tonight? Make sense? Okay. The next question is, what does the dove represent? 
This is the cool one. This is the cool one. This is the one I get excited about. What's the dove represent? There's a reason why it's in Scripture. Dove is Holy Spirit. I know, I'm sorry. Should have given me 30 more seconds. Dove is Holy Spirit. Why? Because in Scripture it says, Holy Spirit goes before us to prepare a way for us that we can't see. Come on, right? This is beautiful. So Noah does what? Takes that dove and says, all right, show me something. Yes? Dove comes back and says, no, it's not ready yet. Then he says, all right, seven days later, let's see. He's like, well, we're getting there, you know. Water's starting to settle, you know, wrath is starting to settle. And he's like, well, hold on, you know, seven more days, right? And then that dove doesn't come back. Why? Because it's preparing the way from now on. Just like Holy Ghost does. Yes? And if we... Yes. Holy Spirit, exactly, is the helper that's left here on the earth for our sake. Right? You see the foreshadowing here? Yes? We see it? The cool thing is, where was a dove when Jesus was, was walking on earth? There's two stories. Baptism. Yes? When he got dunked by John the Baptist, a dove descended from heaven. Holy Ghost. Yes? What's the other time? You guys are making me feel like I'm wrong. Transfiguration? Uh, let's just focus on the John the Baptist one. Okay. Look, dove came down from heaven. Why? I think it was transfiguration. What? So, my version talks about him sending out a raven first. I don't know what that is. I, I like, I, I've read it like seven times, and I still don't The raven understand. first. The raven yeah. like disappeared. Yeah, after 40 days, Noah opened a window, and he had made an ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up on the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But like... I don't know what the raven... Didn't the raven just I don't know. The dove. We're going to focus on the dove because I don't know what the raven represents, okay? Um, I'll look into it. I hope not. I hope he wouldn't be on the boat. Yeah, he better not be on the boat. Okay? Freaking guy. <laughs> okay? So, the, the dove is Holy Spirit going to and fro. Yes? Preparing a way. Helping us as we walk through this life. Yes? Okay? You guys need to go? Peace. See ya. Good to see you guys. Okay, and then what does Noah represent? What's Noah? Who is Noah? Who is he in this story? He better be us. He better be us, yes? Obedient, righteous, blameless, listening to the Lord with everything that we've got. Right? Stay focused. Hazel, I know. Okay? Noah has to be us. Okay? And then what does the rainbow represent? God's promise. Exactly. God's promise. Promise for what? That you would never flood the earth or, you know, kill everything again. That his wrath wouldn't be poured out again on earth. Yeah. Right? I think it's beautiful because the rainbow is actually foreshadowing who Jesus is in the future. 
The rainbow is the promise that we get to rest in. Also, Jesus is the promise that we get to rest in. You know, in the Old Testament, they were all searching for Messiah, right? Even Jewish were waiting for the Messiah, correct? And now, this rainbow is the Lord saying, I have made a pact to you. I have made a covenant to you. I have a promise for you that will go beyond anything. That will make any man who cries out Jesus' name righteous, any man who cries out Jesus' name blameless. Isn't this beautiful? Jesus is all over this story. Can you imagine if there was no ark? We would all be destined for hell. Do we understand this tonight? If there was no ark, if there was no Jesus, we would all be destined for hell no matter what, no matter how many sacrifices we made, no matter how many whatever we made, we're destined for hell, for hell without Jesus. But because of Jesus, we have, we have grace and mercy and life and life abundantly. Good news tonight, yeah? Isn't that amazing? That even in a weird story where a 600-year-old man builds an ark, Jesus is in it. Jesus is all over it. And Holy Spirit is all over it. But I thought Jesus was born as a... Right? But I thought Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. No. No. All present. All at the beginning of time. All encompassing our lives. Has to be that way. Make sense? Isn't that cool? You're geeking out as much as I am, oh, or no? Figure this stuff out. Yeah. Huh? I just love the Lord. <laughs> I really just love Jesus. I'm on this journey with Jesus of just like, how can I see you in every single circumstance in my life? And He's blowing my mind. You know, I was telling Madison last night, like I'm just, I'm just good. Now I'm just happy, just joyful, because the Lord is just so present. I mean, there's nothing special about me. It's Holy Ghost living in me, you know. I think all of you guys can do this. All of you guys have this capacity to understand how, how in the world a boat could signify Jesus. You know, you have that capacity. And guess what? You did it tonight. You have that capacity tonight, and you understood it tonight. Why? Not because I'm good with words. Obviously, I'm not, you know. <laughs> it's because Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit cares enough about you to give you revelation and illuminate His words to you. Period. It's good news, yes? I just love it. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. It was like a year because he was 601 when they were on the boat. Okay. And then he lived 350 years after that. It says some like weird um, that I couldn't really figure out because I'm not really good with numbers. Yeah. It says some like weird uh, like on the 700th month of this year. And I don't know. It's in like chapter six. And then it says like at the verse of, uh, at the end of chapter nine, it tells us how like how much longer um, Noah lived. He lived to be 950. <laughs> yeah, like. I mean, one of his sons gave birth, had a, had 
what can can am can am c a n a n n that one that was like one of Noah's that was Noah's grandson. Yeah. It doesn't say. Six hundred. Yeah. 